Welcome to Purpose 360. I'm Carol Cohn, and today more than ever before, companies, brands, and their partners need to stand for something beyond the bottom line. I've created this program to provide insights and ideas to share with you so that you can apply them to your work the very next day. The goal here is to uplevel your purpose and to benefit companies and society. So please join us. going to continue our just delightful conversation with Mark Retzloff, who has been just named and honored as, if not one of the founders of the organic foods industry, sometimes I would just like to say the founder. Um, In this part, he gives us lots of recommendations for emerging food companies, for people to truly understand what are the challenges to the food industry. He's going to share with us his thoughts on regenerative agriculture and also his latest passion project, um, an accelerator called Flock and his work with Techstars. So join me in this continued conversation with Mark. It will not disappoint you. So, you know, you're working with so many young entrepreneurs, early stage capital, all sorts, especially the group in in Boulder. What's your advice to a young, younger company that um, they need more capital, but, you know, they're entertaining selling? You know, how do they keep their values today? And I know that's not an easy question to answer. Well, I've got a couple things. First, you got to walk your talk. In other words, you, uh, if you have a vision and dream uh, and you want to be authentic, okay, and you're, do, you're doing some innovation, it kind of harkens back to the old thing that was first said by Leonardo da Vinci. Okay, innovation without execution is hallucination. <laughs> so you have to be able to execute. Um, but if you're, if, you're, if, if you're doing it, if you have a mission, then you have to walk that talk. So that's the number one thing. I, I also believe strongly in the golden rule. Treat others as you want to be treated, including your employees, your people you do business with, the people in the industry, your competitors. Okay. Uh, I said this one, another one of the things that was really important to me earlier was listen to customers. Understand why their product is in demand. Understand the markets, marketplace. Understand you know, what they're looking for when they're shopping and what's important to them. I learned that you need to stay focused. You need to be a finisher. You avoid distractions, okay? Particularly in something that's growing fast, you can get distracted and get in, move into other things. It took us a long time at Horizon to, to go into new products because we were growing so fast and we had a very perishable product at that time that I had to get it into the, I had to, as soon as it was 
packaged or bottled, I had about two days to get it to the retailer. So my logistics had to be flawless to get it out there. So that's why distractions were not important. Um, I think an important thing for me in my entire career is self-knowledge. Know who you are and uh, don't believe your press clippings. Because, you you know, there's too many times where people, you know, people, <laughs> people say things about it and people think it's real. Okay? It's, hey, you got to really know who you are and what you can do well. And I would say the final thing for me is uh, pick them right. Build your team. Build your team with the high with high performers. Know what high performers are, and pick those type of people. How do you pick the right people for your organization? I'm going to give you the ten top ten attributes that I have of what I call my breed stock that I had put together way early because breed stock is. You know, I got into this because of cows and getting the right kind of cows and stuff like that. Okay. The top attributes, be ambitious. Be highly motivated, sense of urgency, a go-getter. Select winners. I always look at places, you know, did they participate in athletics? Were they, what, did they get awards? Are they competitive? I don't care if it's on the debate society or did they get picked for the class play? Okay. Sociable. Can they relate? Are they relationship builders? Uh, I want them to be good listeners. They understand a need and they see the solution. But first, you have to listen to be able to understand. They have to be persistent. Hard workers, long hours are the emblems of people who are persistent out there. You have to have a vision. It means you've got to be a dreamer. Got to have a sense of greatness that you can do it. You know, Obama, yes, we can, was his statement to everybody. That was his visionary statement. You must be persuasive. Got to close the deal. Okay. So you got to know what you have to be able to go in there and understand who you're going to see and what's important to them and be persuasive that you can deliver. You can close that deal. Uh, I look for people who can be loyal. They will go the extra yard. They're dedicated. And individuals, I feel, particularly in leadership roles or key roles, they have to have high self-esteem. They need to be confident. Okay? I don't need people coming and crying into my office. Okay? I mean, I'll take care of them and I'll work with them, but, you know, if I'm selecting them, I want to put high self-esteem. And finally, desire. That's that whole thing about uh, innovation. They need to be a risk taker. They'd not be afraid to fail. I have failed many times in my career, okay? But I've gotten off the, off the deck or off the mat, and I've learned from it, and I've taken those learnings, made the adjustments, and gone out and and been successful. How do you then transfer that to the companies that you're giving advice to? Because you said to me in our in our you know pre-discussion, they can't be too big, they can't be too small, they kind of have to be just right. So you and you said you turn down more than you even help. 
and you, and you have a very long list of the different types of industries and entrepreneurs and business people. So what attributes do they have to have that you will even consider them uh, to provide advice and counsel? Well, my guide for purposeful work, and you know, that's basically when I look back on it, a lot of it was had purpose behind it. And today it's, you know, it's, it's uh, right at the top of, because I'm being asked a lot. Okay. So it has to fit into what I do, but there's two things for me. I try to do things that give me satisfaction and meaning in my life. And number two, I like to work with people or I insist on working with people whom I share the common values and enjoy being around. You know, uh, that one is really important because when we're at work, you know, uh, I tell people all the time, you spend most of your waking hours with your people at work. Make sure you're, you're, you're in an environment in which you can thrive. And that environment in the business world is people. So make sure that you are with people who you have shared values and beliefs. Otherwise, it's miserable. Let's take a break and find out what else is happening besides this podcast that you may want to know about. Our second In The Know segment has a collaborative investor groups joining together. There are questions about the power of big chocolate and human rights abuses in sports racing. The world's third largest asset manager, State Street Global Advisors, with nearly $3.2 trillion under management, is the latest to join Climate Action 100. That group is an investor initiative that calls on the world's largest corporate greenhouse gas emitters to take necessary action on climate change. Three of the top 20 global asset managers, including State Street, BlackRock, and Invesco, joined the initiative this year as it continues to grow in size and influence. Turning to something we all love, chocolate, may be having a tough time in the U.S. Supreme Court. Big Chocolate's big case at the Supreme Court, which includes Nestle USA and Cargill, argue they aren't responsible for human rights abuses in Ivory Coast cocoa farms. This could prove to be a big deal for corporate America. As Fortune writes, it could have major implications for American businesses, whose labyrinth global supply chains may reach into poor countries with patchy labor conditions far away from corporate headquarters. And lastly, joining the terms greenwashing, pinkwashing is now a term called sportswashing. Saudi Arabia is preparing to host its first Formula One Grand Prix next November, and it's upset many human rights advocates. They're urging drivers to speak out about Saudi violations, like its jailing of government critics and women's rights advocates. Yet, F1 officials hurt so hard by COVID-19 cancellations and are boosted by the race's reported $15 million payday 
for that country, they said they're really excited about the race. So Saudi officials have lauded it as an opportunity to change public perceptions. Celebrated F1 driver Lewis Hamilton, who's been a voice for social justice, said he thinks the circuit can be a force for change. Well, let's see and stay tuned to Al Jazeera or The Guardian to learn more as we get closer to the race in 2021. Now back to our Mark Retzloff segment, an amazing man that's had an amazing contribution to the way we eat and the way the future is going to be for farming. Let's talk about flock because flock is your new baby brilliant idea. And when we also did our pre-interview, you talked about the urgency of what is happening in climate. And you said that there are only 50 harvests left. So can you explain the 50 harvests and then share with our listeners what flock is about and why you're so excited about it? Well, if we continue on a path of climate change, Okay, where it's getting warmer and warmer and uh, the weather is changing and, uh, you know, uh, all sorts of things are going on out there. This is from the UN and FAO. If we stay on the current trajectory we are, our planet uh, only has 50 more years of harvests based on the, if that continual increase in, in uh, temperature what impact that's going to have on all kinds of weather conditions, whether it's flooding, whether it's, you know, disruptive stuff like hurricanes or tornadoes or fires or whatever, all that. So that's if we stay on the same path we're on right now. That's the true urgency that we have. And quite frankly, um, we're already kind of at a, critical threshold right now. And the changes we're seeing this year, put us aside from COVID, but all the other things, and we've all experienced in, in no matter where we live, the weather being uh, uh, freaky and weird, okay, and very uh, destructive in many ways. Certainly the people out in the California have been living this with us for the two or three years, and it's just getting worse. We suffered this year in Col- in Colorado. I actually got uh, evacuated for a day uh, on flyer- fire danger here. That's what got me into flock. And you said it earlier. You know, flock is a dynamic community of passionate, progressive food and egg practitioners. I like to call them market makers and experts who believe that. Time is of the essence, the fast-track regenerative ag for the preservation of our planet and the people. I mean, that's basically, in a you know, short statement, what Flock's about. So, Mark, explain what regenerative ag is for our listeners. I think that there's really uh, four pillars to regenerative ag, okay? First, it's a system of farming principles and practices that increase biodiversity, enrich soils, and improves watersheds, and enhances ecosystem services. It aims to capture carbon in the soil, 
and above ground biomass, reversing current global trends of atmospheric accumulation. Agriculture produces 30% of all the carbon emissions. Agriculture and the food system produce about 30% of the carbon emissions today. Regenerative ag offers increased yields, uh, resilience to climate instability, and higher health and vitality for farming and ranching communities, which is very important because you know that's a lot of where that the the inequity is going on with farm communities out there. So flock is uh, we're embedded uh, justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion into everything that we're doing because we see that those people are the ones that uh, can can benefit the most from this, and they're the ones that have been left by the sideline in the farming area. And you're partnering with Techstars, and you're going to... So talk about who Techstars is and then what you're going to do starting next year, 2021. Okay, Techstars is the leading uh, accelerator organization in the world. They do these thirteen-week uh, accelerators. They 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 search through five, six, seven hundred different uh, applicants. They select ten. They're usually at startup or very early stage. They bring them in, and uh, they spend uh, a month just having them fed from the from the water hose of uh, or fire hose from mentors after mentors either domain specific to what their business is about or organization or uh, stuff that's general. Maybe it's about HR or maybe it's about some kind of uh, financing stuff. The the second uh, month is spent with uh, building their business plan or rebuilding it. And the third one is putting together their pitch deck. And then we end up with a, uh, a demo day where we bring in about a thousand investors, high net worth individuals, family offices, and they each pitch. Techstars gets about as is unbelievable. They run it at about right today. They put about two thousand young companies through their accelerators, and their eighty five percent of them are either still in business or have been sold. Typically, at that stage, it's one in ten. So they are they they have a very 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 good Great track system. record. Yeah, terrific, terrific track record. So I got very interested. I, I live in Boulder. I know the guys at TechStars, so I've been watching what they're doing. But uh, I had uh, started a consulting company called the Boulder Farm Team about three four years ago. And it, with working with young companies and uh, uh, young entrepreneurs and um, in all different forms, uh, providing guidance and mentoring and uh, consulting with them, most young companies don't know what they don't know. And I looked at Techstars. I ran into one of the principals at Techstars, a friend of mine, and we were having a cup of coffee. And uh, I said, you know what? Would you guys be interested in doing an accelerator with with me and a group of people uh, for the uh, regenerative or, uh, food and ag industry? They said, "Sure, Mark. I mean, we know we see what you guys are doing. I mean, you know, we live here in Boulder. Okay, we see that Boulder's an epicenter for this. We'd love to do something with you." So 
We've partnered up with Techstars. We're in the midst of uh, putting that together right now. COVID kind of slowed us down a bit this year. So uh, we were planning on launching uh, this fall, but it's going to probably look like it's we're looking at next year to get it started. So that's about that's about Flock. That's part of Flock. That's one thing. That's getting those ideas. But there's two other parts of Flock, which are part of the Flock Foundation, not the Flock Fund. And that is, is that we think that we have a really stellar group of people on our board, an advisory board and our executive board. And we think that we want to continually be stimulating the thought leadership on this. Most importantly, getting people under the same tent. Okay, Similar to what we had to do with the Organic Food Production Act to get it passed. There had to be some compromise. You know, you can't have somebody out there who's pushing for a standard that nobody can actually make, okay? But how do we transition and move ourselves in that direction? That's number two. And number three, and this probably comes out of my work in the organic industry, we have to bring about consumer behavior change. The organic industry Got the law got passed in 1991. Today, it makes up about milk makes up about eight percent of all organic milk makes up about eight percent of all milk. Uh, the produce is up around fifteen percent and growing. But you know, and organic food in itself is probably in the five six percent. Okay, and you know we've had a law here now for uh, almost thirty years. And we've had regulations for over 20 years. And that's so that was why initially I started the Organic Center for Research and Education because we felt that we had to give, we had to get good research and then educate the consumer about the benefits of organic food. Well, it's no different here with regenerative. We have to do the same thing. So for me, we need to, to bring about a change in consumer behavior to, to be successful with the regenerative ag. And we have an opportunity with consumers for them to personally make a difference three times a day by what they decide to buy and eat. And that would stimulate the regenerative agricultural movement. It would bring about much better health in our societies. It would significantly change what we're doing out there in the world in many, many different ways. And so, you know, that's one of the key things that we're also trying to build into Flock. How do we make uh, consumer behavior, how do we bring about uh, consumer behavior change? Which is not easy. No, as you know. People have habits. and But, you know, with millennials and with social media and a desire for a better, more just healthier world, you should have a little bit more wind at your back than when you when the organic industry started with no internet. Yeah, I think that we have a lot more wind at our back. And we have a lot of organizations doing this. And so we've been partnering up with people all over the country and around the world. It's you know, nobody has owns this. Everybody has to participate. It's gotta be done. I mean, uh uh I've I'm watching organizations like Danon with their CEO, Emmanuel Faber, 
who has made significant changes in where Dan On is taking uh, their company in the future and, and their commitments to regenerative ag and so on. You know, Carol, when we started uh, Aurora Organic Dairy, you know, I, this was after I had retired from Horizon. You know, I was concerned that we weren't growing the organic dairy business very fast. So I knew that part of it was the pricing, part of it was getting people's educa- education. So we started Aurora Organic Dairy with with the mission that to make organic milk affordable and accessible to mainstream America. And the way we did that is that we knew we had to be vertically integrated. We needed to own our own cows. We needed to own our own pastures. We needed to own our own milking areas. We needed to own our own distribution. We needed to own our own processing. And because every one of those points along that supply chain, there's a margin that somebody makes. And that if we could capture all that margin, we could reduce those down so that we could reduce the price of that milk. So today, Aurora Dairy, largest producer of organic milk in the, in, in the in North America, we produce all the organic milk as store brands. We, we sell it, we, we do all of Costco's Kirkland Signature Milk. We do all of Walmart and Sam's milk. We do all of Target's milk. We do all of Safeway and Albertsons, all of the Aho system. We produce all of their organic milk. And if you go into those stores, it's the lowest cost. And those stores service a lot of mainstream America and people who can't afford, but now they can afford the goodness of organic milk. That That's truly an, an amazing career history and an amazing impact. So we have had a phenomenal conversation. Um, I love uh, talking a lot about people that I knew back in the day. And I knew that when I knew, uh, I could call him Tony Harnett, but I knew that and as he grew yeah. up, you had to call him Anthony. Right. Right. <laughs> right, 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 I know that. I got well-trained in yeah, that. <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> I had dinner at his house once, and I think it's Susan made alligator or something. It was quite interesting. But you also, you are continuing to provide counsel to so many thriving and striving entrepreneurs. So what three things, I know you've talked about picking the right people and, and having a lot of discipline, but what are the three things when a young guy or gal comes to you in the food or ag industry and they say, I want to walk in your footsteps, Mark. I want to learn. And I, but I don't, I don't, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in a hurry. What do you say to them? Well, I think number one in this day and age, by far, is collaboration. Uh, if we're going to be successful in bringing a, in this very urgent task to save the planet, we all have to collaborate with one another. Okay? It's not going to be perfect, but we need to save it. So we all have to work together on that. Um, so collaboration to me is, I think it should be, you know, the, the new buzzword at all the business schools, all the universities. It's really what we have to be training people to do and to be good at it and to, and to come up with the great ideas we need to get done. Secondly, 
I said this earlier, but I'm going to say it again because it is so important. Do what gives you satisfaction and meaning. Okay. You'll get up. You have to, you want, you need, you want to get up out of bed every day and be ready to go and feel good about it. And so if you're, if you're doing stuff that you're not satisfied with and that has no meaning to you, you won't get up out of bed <laughs> or slowly. Or you'll find something <laughs> or slowly. <laughs> right. And finally, as I said to you, when we first started to, to, on this, on this talk today, consumers want the truth. So we must be authentic and transparent. No hidden agendas. This includes ingredients, sourcing, okay, integrated, all kinds of stuff that we're doing out there. My palm oil company that I'm involved in, we're organic, we're fair trade, we're fair, fair, um, we're rainforest alliance, we're Greenpeace, we're roundtable for sustainable palm oil certified, all those things out there. We're now moving into a regenerative ag program and getting that certified as well. You know, we're assuring the consumer that we're doing the right stuff. And the certifications are provide that truth for them. I think the last thing in closing is that we need everybody to join us. If the only way you can join us is by buying that product and making those choices three times a day, that will work. If you want to step a little further, you know, <laughs> organizations like Flock or the Rodeo Institute or other ones out there, Carbon Underground, okay, uh, Kiss My, uh, Kiss the Ground, all sorts of Patagonia, Bronners. There's a lot of organizations out there that are doing some really good stuff. And we, you just need to find a way to get engaged. So it sounds like you're never going to retire. You are having too much fun. Only time I retire is when my grandchildren come around. Then I stop doing everything and spend my time with them. And, ha- and how many grandchildren do you have? I have two right now. And they're not here in Colorado. But when they're here, everything else is closed down for me. But you're doing what you're doing for your grandchildren and their children. And my children right. as well. Right. <laughs> and hopefully for everybody who's listening on this this podcast with you. I want to say one th- thing Absolutely. Else. Carol, I want to really thank you for taking on this topic and for, for putting together this podcast. Without people like you who really send these messages out far and wide, our jobs will be, will be much tougher, okay, to bring about this change. You're very, very kind. And I have to say to our listeners, because this is such an amazing conversation, we're going to break this into two parts. And so they can listen to it uh, two different times and they can get incredible wisdom. So in closing, is there anything else? Because you have so much wisdom. I'd like to just kind of sit there at your feet every day and learn. But is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners, whether they um, have companies, whether they eat food, whether they service the food industry? Anything else, Mark? Always be on the lookout for how you can do it better. Okay, Uh, we can accelerate climate change or we can accelerate bringing about the change we need out there. 
And so let's take the latter. Let's focus on that. And again, it's urgent. I beg you, get involved. Well, th- well, thank you so much, Mark Retzoff. You are just a pioneer, a counselor, a mentor, just a great guy. And you know what's amazing? Your mom taught you so well, and I can hear her counsel and the hard work that she did that she imprinted on her son. And I'm sure she is incredibly proud, you know, looking down from heaven at you um, about all that you've accomplished and the millions and millions of lives that you have impacted. Well, thank you very much. Sure, she would have loved to hear, loved hearing you say that. Oh, I'm sure she's smiling, smiling all the time. And when sometimes you get stuck, she probably gives you a little bit of pinch in the butt. But she does. She does. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So thank you, Mark Wetzloff. And I would like to say to our listeners, um, take so many of these great comments to start. The journey is amazing. And connecting the dots and being resilient to to live your dream and your vision. You do have challenges, but keep it moving forward. And I will end this podcast with the question that I always ask, what is your purpose? <laughs>